3: What up everybody, Mike Fachi here, and if you haven't already checked it out, go to PacersTalk.net for the latest coverage on all Pacer news. We have game recaps, game previews, and everything you can imagine. Let's go Pacers. And Oladipo wants it again, approaching two minutes to play. With the
1: left hand and authority! McKee gets it in the middle for the
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden, and joined, as always, by my co-host, Michael Focci. Focci, what's going on, man?
3: Alex, the boys are back. Winners of three straight battling injuries. I could not be more proud of this team. We are back to 500.
2: So I just want to let everybody know, if you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, we are recording just before the Hornets game, so we will not be able to recap that game, but that'll be on next week's show, but on today's episode, we're going to recap this three-game winning streak, starting with that win in Brooklyn, 5 Miles Turner goes down with a scary ankle injury, but Sabonis has a huge game, Jeremy Lamb returned that night, what did you think about that
3: game? Uh, I thought it was a a great win. I mean, obviously, the Nets weren't off to the best start, but it was against a playoff team. And being down 0-3 in the season, you really had to get a win. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's exactly what the Pacers did. They responded well. And against Brooklyn, you know, you really, it was a quality win. You won by 10 on the road. And I just thought that that was a game that Sabonis just really asserted his dominance pouring in 29 but it was the starters overall you had four starters scoring over 20 something the pacers had not done in quite some time and uh, i was real proud of that team that win yeah that was really cool to see four plus players with 20 points or more
2: and then the bench i think they only had like what was it 16 points a game yeah, it, it was below the average, which was already very bad to begin with. <laughs> the worst in the NBA was below that, so uh, it was like G League level-esque. But, yeah, so that Pacers yes. bench, it's its still been a bit of a problem. I think the last two games we've seen an uptick in that. I think they've actually scored in the last two games. They've matched what they scored in the first four games, so their bench is getting a little bit better. Uh, it's its kind of weird because right now the Pacers have been dealing with so many injuries, I some bonus Miles Turner, Edmund Sumner, Victor Oladipo. I mean, that's four of your top eight players right now uh, in the rotation. Out injured, you have guys stepping up like Jakar Sampson. I mean, T.J. Leaf got the start Friday, played terrible, came back Sunday, had a huge game off the bench against the Chicago Bulls. I mean, honestly, just getting contributions from everybody in different areas has really made a huge – has been a huge factor in this team getting this three-game winning streak going. And then tonight, hopefully they'll get that win in Charlotte as they continue just to keep pushing through the ups
3: and downs of the season and fighting their way to victories. You could sum it up as as best as next man up. And there has been someone stepping up each night. I mean, we finally just saw Aaron Holiday have a pretty good game, definitely his best game of the season. But T.J. Leaf, I mean, I got to say, Alex, I know he dropped 28 against the Hawks to end the year last year, but this might have been his best game when it actually mattered. Oh, for sure. He had a double-double. I mean, he was very active. Uh, I saw he had a swat that made him look you know, (laughs) like a a real shot blocker. I don't want to start throwing some names over there and start dissing some people, but, I mean, he had an emphatic dunk. Uh, uh, TJ Leaf was doing a little bit of everything. It was just great to see the whole team collectively step up, and we haven't even gotten a go-go yet right yeah i mean Goga.
2: let's let's save him for a little bit because i want to mm-hmm. i want to go in depth about him but i want to go back to tj Leaf. so last week on the show when we had alec ramsey on we were discussing you know leaf needs to be humbled he needs to be taken out of the, the rotation sent to the g league and fort wayne then he comes out and does that and alec asked a question last week he said does he know he's bad and we we're all like he has to know he's bad you know and you're like i don't think he does well i'm starting to tend with I'm going to agree with you now, Fauci. Did you see the post that he had on his Instagram after the Pacers got that win against the the Bulls on Sunday? He posted that picture of himself dunking and was like, great win. I'm like, okay. So he he probably is a little bit on the, I'm sick and tired of the haters. I'm here to prove them wrong. But still, I mean, was that game enough to make you feel comfortable with him out there getting significant minutes?
3: I wouldn't say comfortable, but I felt like he – earned minutes for the first time where I felt like he had not been earning the minutes in a game where you know Leaf was asked to play big in that game he corralled 15 rebounds I mean that it was impressive it really was and I just felt like he just did a little bit of everything and we needed that performance because while the Pacers won by 13 uh, I don't know if they necessarily win that game without Leaf playing as big as he did.
2: No, for sure. I mean, Goga fouled out in 19 minutes, I believe it was, that game against Mm -hmm. the Bulls, getting his first career start. Uh, Jakar Sampson looked pretty good, but overall, I mean, we talked a lot about TJ Leaf and the game he had against the Bulls, but let's just talk about this Cavaliers game, because this Cavaliers game, to me, was probably the most fun of the three wins. I know it was nice to see him get a win against Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets, because they've been getting so much hype this offseason, but the way that... The Pacers dominated the glass without Miles Turner. It was the breakout game of Goga, but Sabonis had 18 and 17. Brogdon was on fire. Jeremy Lamb was really good again. You know, T.J. Warren was horrible that game. I think he was like one of eight, but you got contributions from other players. But that, that game that he had against Tristan Thompson, keeping him off the glass as far as Sabonis goes, that was so big for that Pacers victory over the Cavs.
3: It really was, because this was the revenge game against Cleveland. Tristan Thompson we already had two revenge games in a matter of six games. It's kind of crazy. We we, we had, it, is, it is. There's a lot of cold dishes of revenge going around, Alex. <laughs> but we need to serve one. We had a cold plate ready for Tristan Thompson, because he just dominated in the first game. I think he had 15 and 13 on 70% shooting. But the second time around, just seven points, nine boards, and fouled out. So I I thought the Pacers did a great job in that game against Cleveland. Uh, And it it was, I mean, you had Miles Turner with, I don't know, that was was the first game. Sabonis really just played big in that game, and it it was everything that you needed to see. Kevin Love still got his, but at the same point, you started to see guys step up like Goga, and, and it was pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, and so let's just go ahead and dive into Goga. We've kind of mentioned him a few times here, but uh, really I think fans have not been this excited probably about a player than Lance Stevenson when he returned. um, Honestly, when he returned against the Raptors a couple years ago when the Pacers brought him back to that uh, three-year deal for $12 million. So, you know, I I love Goga. I think he should be getting significant minutes. Especially with that backup role, I don't think he's necessarily ready to be a full time starter in the absence of a Miles Turner or a Domas Sabonis. But what do you really have left? I mean, there's not a lot of big guys on this team, but he needs to be getting minutes. When Turner and Sabonis are both healthy, I still think he needs to be in that rotation. Offensively, he looks really good. I mean, his shot looks so good, Fachi. He can shoot mm-hmm. from three, he can shoot the mid range. He has such a nice, soft touch, good hands. I know that Quinn Buckner pointed this out when he. Saved the ball against the Cavaliers one game when the ball was a little bit overthrown. He saved it, just has real soft hands. His biggest problem, like we mentioned, when that was gonna be a problem with the big men this year, is this the defense, getting himself in the right position, not fouling. It's it's hard for big guys that are young to just develop this skill. But once he settles down a little bit on the defensive end, watch out. I think he could be a huge force off the bench, but right now, still a work in progress, but offensively I'm in love with this game.
3: I couldn't agree more. We were talking off the air uh, through text messages saying it's going to be like sink or swim for Goga. Right when Miles went down, it was like we're going to need him to play. It's not an option to keep him on the bench. And he knows it. He even said that every day he's trying to get a bit stronger, more athletic, a bit more explosive. He knows he needs to you know, just be able to bang a little bit so he doesn't get bullied. And I just felt like that was the coming out performance where – you know, you could just see, I mean, he basically had a double-double and four blocks in back-to-back yeah. games. Huge. So what fans got to realize is he's a he's a great rim protector. He really is. But there's, there's also the difference between being a great defender and being a rim protector. Because right now it seems like Goga wants to block everything and it has got him in some foul trouble. So I think that that comes with experience. You know, you're going to be able to learn a thing or two as the season goes on and that we know hey if that's what he needs to work on I feel fine about that but from a rebounding a jumper standpoint he looks great yeah and I mean in addition to that like it's not even just
2: him wanting to block shots I think a lot of times he's just getting himself out of position especially in the pick and roll defense I mean that's something I think he'll get abused a little bit with in this early stages of the season just because He's still got to figure out the footwork, the the speed of the NBA, the quickness of these guards, mm-hmm. getting around them. I mean, even in the first three games of the Pacers lost, there were times where Miles Turner was just a step behind trying to block a shot. So it, it just takes time, and it, 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 you have to get in that rhythm. And I think, honestly, he's not been in good basketball shape yet. He's still getting into 100% shape. Same for T.J. Leaf, because they both were set back a little bit with their injuries in the preseason. So these first couple games here in the regular season have still been part of like the preseason form and you know November's looking a lot better than October did so you know we got two wins in November we have a very easy schedule coming up i mean you got the hornets tonight uh or tuesday night correct and then the wizards on wednesday night at home and then you're playing the pistons again on friday third time in what is that nine games so uh yep just just some winnable games here injuries to the pistons as well the, the wizards are uh, you know, they got Bradley Beal, but that's about it. And then, you know, the Hornets have been kind of frisky. They've been decent this year, better than expected, but no real shot uh, creator for them. Last year it was just Kimba was killing us, Jeremy Lamb was killing us at times, and we just got obliterate, obliterated in that pick and roll with Kimba and Cody Zeller. So, honestly, like, I, I think the Pacers have a real good chance here to get
3: some wins racked up in the month of November. I really think this team's poised to go on a run because I think what's even more impressive is – they're three and three now. That's not going to shock anyone. But when you talked about it before, the guys that are out now—I mean, even Jeremy Lamb missed two games. Right. So you know, Lamb has already missed two games. You know, Miles Turner's out, but it seems like he and Sabonis are almost ready to return. You know, they—they they have the the upcoming game against Washington tomorrow. So playing a back to back, you know, maybe the Pacers uh throw Sabonis out there tomorrow and just wanted to save them for the back-to-back, I think that's a smart idea. So I do think that this team is going to get healthy at the right time, but also the schedule allows for them to be able to go on a run. But also, I I think the team is starting to click a little bit more now. That just gets me so excited when they are all healthy together that everything's going to be all right. Because while we named a couple guys, I mean, there's names like Malcolm Brogdon, who I don't even think we brought up yet. (laughs) No. I mean, that's how lucky we are right now. There are some studs on this team. Jeremy Lamb, what he's doing right now is, is just almost going under the radar because of how great Brogdon's playing, how awesome Sabonis has been, and then the excitement around Goga. Yeah. So there's a lot right. going on right now. Yeah, Jeremy Lamb honestly has
2: been, to me, the best part of this winning streak because Getting him back in that starting lineup, he seems to be a little bit more relaxed. I'm not sure if just the excitement of the first game, the nerves, the, you know, the hip, the bruised hip that he got there in the first quarter had an effect on him because he did not look super great in game one against the Pistons. But since he's returned, I mean, he was just been really dominant on the boards without, you know, without Sabonis and without Turner in those two games against Cleveland and Chicago. I mean, he was just active on the glass. And Brogdon, I mean, my goodness, this guy... You couldn't ask for anything better than what you've gotten from Malcolm Brogdon. Like anything you thought you were getting from Brogdon, he's exceeded that by like 10. So just phenomenal play from Brogdon. He's all star level at this point. And personally, mm-hmm. you know, if he continues this route, I can see him honestly getting a couple votes there for the most improved player in the entire NBA.
3: There is not one thing that anybody can agree uh, disagree with what you just said. Brogdon is in the running for most improved player of the year. He's tripled his assist average from last year. That's nuts. He's scoring <laughs> seven more points than last year. I mean, he is doing literally everything right now. So in a bigger role, obviously, the shooting percentages just a tad bit down. But he's, he's blown everybody's expectations away. And then Jeremy Lamb, just to go back to Lamb real quick. The one game that he struggled with recently, shooting the ball against the Bulls, he did literally everything else. Right. You're talking about 11 points, sure, that's not impressive, whatever. But six rebounds, five assists, three blocks, and a steal. I mean, that's playing team basketball right there.
2: Well, so, and he didn't it,
3: really need a score because that was T.J. Warren's he breakout game. Exactly. So that's where it's just I love the fact that He's really selfless. I feel like when Oladipo comes back, he's going to make that second unit so much better. Jeremy Lamb is going to be—he can be the go-to guy on that second unit if they need him to be. And I love the fact that that's, that's a real possibility. I mean, he's averaging basically seven boards on the year. That'd be a career high. So it just seems like he's going to be able to do anything asked of him. Well, let me ask you this. We
2: talked about it a little bit last week. Because the bench was struggling so much. But if Jeremy Lamb continues to play at this high of a level, would it be smart to keep him in that starting lineup and move T.J. Warren to the bench? Or do you think that, don't mess with it, just Lamb
3: knows his role, keep him in that six-man role? I think you just do that, the second, the latter part. Okay. Lamb in his in this sixth role, I think just, it fits it better. I think with Warren, you don't want to disrupt anything where it could mess up the starting lineup more than if you took Lamb out.
2: Yeah, well, and here's the thing: just because Lamb doesn't start doesn't mean he won't finish games because if he's of playing course. better than TJ Warren, there's still that you know. Where McMillan, I, a lot of people dog on McMillan. I understand that he is trying to play an old school style of basketball in a new modern era, but hey you got to give him credit. I mean, even last year when Turner would struggle at certain times, he would put Sabonis in for him. And, you know, when Tyreek would have a decent game every once in a while, you might see him out there to close games. Or Corey Joseph over Darren Collison. Like, it didn't matter to him. Like, whoever the best five are in that game, he's going to play them. So that is a, a kudos to McMillan for playing the guys that have earned that opportunity to be, at the, be on the court at the end of the game because, you know, up to this point, T.J. Warren's looked pretty good defensively, but offensively he hadn't been going. And so it was really nice to see him you know, get that going against the Chicago Bulls because I was wondering, man, is he ever going to wake up or are we just going to be stuck in this law of uh, uh, <laughs> or this lieu of him just not doing anything. So uh, real good to see T.J. Warren finally play basketball like he knows how to.
3: Definitely. I mean, he, he had a great bounce back game. The Cavs game, the one-of-eight shooting, it, it was pretty rough, but he responded very well. You know, a 10 of 16, 26 points, five boards against Chicago. Definitely is his best game from an offensive standpoint. But like we've talked about a little bit offline, T.J. Warren is amongst the league leaders in deflections right now, averaging a career high in steals. I mean, this is just everything that you want to see and hoped that he would buy into playing defense because they said either he could play defense or he wouldn't. Well, he is now. And I think that the Pacers are really going to benefit from it.
2: Oh, yeah. There, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, still I think the question will come is how serious is Edmund Sumner's injury? Because Aaron Holliday is getting his minutes. But like you mentioned, Holliday played pretty good against the Bulls. But he had struggled pretty badly against the Nets mm-hmm. and the uh, the Cavaliers on Friday night. You know, just... Just needs to calm down. We've been saying it. Just just play his game. I think he's getting a little bit more comfortable out there, trying to adapt to the new role, not having the ball in his hands as much because he's just a go-getter when he has a ball in his hands, and he's trying to learn how to play off-ball because McMillan doesn't trust him right now. So he's still in the doghouse a little bit. He's only being played because he kind of has to be. And honestly, the guy that I feel like we need to give a little bit of a, a shout-out here to that's been just absolutely playing whatever McMillan wants him to do, Garden fours in the post, being so pesky down low, uh, making Kevin Love get mad, being active on the glass, coming off the bench, Justin Holliday. This was a guy that I was begging for in the offseason because I just liked his style of play. I thought it fit well with what the Pacers are wanting to do. And I think we're starting to see you know, why I was a big fan of him so far through these six games. I mean, he's probably been the most consistent bench player this team has seen yet.
3: Uh, of course, that is someone that you have just been raving about, and I can't blame you. Because from a sheer numbers pers- uh, perspective, it'll never show up. But when you watch Justin Holiday play, he does all the little things right. And for that, when you mention as, as rough as the bench has been, he's been the most consistent player night in, night out, where if you didn't have him on that bench, it would be very, very scary. So I think that Justin Holiday is someone who can fit in a starting lineup if needed. He can go to the bench and I, just whatever you need him to do, he will do it and he will do it well. And I think for that, it shows that he's essential to the depth and success of this team.
2: Oh yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. He has been a bright spot for this bench, and you know even though he's not putting up great shooting numbers, I feel like Doug McDermott's actually been pretty you know positive when he's been out on the floor. And I've enjoyed the Pacers going a little bit smaller. I, I I know that they're being forced to do that. So they're just trying to make it work with what they have. But I have enjoyed seeing them play a little bit smaller with TJ Warren at the four some. Uh, even McDermott's getting some minutes at the four as well. And I know that McMillan had been staggering in those center minutes between Sabonis and Turner um, when they were both healthy and Gogo was not in the rotation. But, you know, this, this team has got to figure out their identity because. Once Sabonis and once Turner are back, I mean, those are two of your top five players on this team. You know, arguably two of your top four, depending on how you feel about how Jeremy Lamb's played this this season. But you know, getting those two back, acclimated with one another, trying to figure out the system, the way they want to run it, it's still a work in progress. So I think there's still some hurdles that the team is going to have to get over as the season prolongs. I mean, enjoy the wins right now, beat the bad teams while you can because you're more talented. But ultimately, what I'm trying to say here, Fachi, is. We still have yet to see if this Turner-Sabonis thing can really work because in the first three
3: games, it didn't look great. (laughs) It didn't look great is definitely one way to put it. I mean, the team was (laughs) 0 for 3. I mean, in a a couple of games, for instance, the Cleveland game, it was brutal. And then all of a sudden, you know, Turner goes down, and then the Pacers win three straight. But then one of those games also didn't have Miles or Sabonis in there. So we really do not have – any of like the, the data or the, or the numbers to really prove anything yet. So it's still to be determined. But I'm just happy that the team is all coming together now. Just a few keys to the winning streak. I felt like the Pacers are playing defense again. And they're winning the rebounding battle. That is huge for a team that was getting crushed on the boards. You come out and you punch Cleveland basically in the mouth and you out rebound them 58 to 45 love that you out rebound the bulls by 6 but also you've held three of your last four opponents to under 96 i mean that's that's very that's impressive huge. in 2019 nba basketball so i think that also a key underrated part we've had less ton- turnovers than our opponents each of the last few games that makes so a difference you, d- you don't turn the ball over and you rebound it you're going to be you're going to put yourself in a good spot Also, to go back to Goga real quick, there is no coincidence that the Pacers have had 10 blocks in their last two games, and Goga has played extended minutes in those two games. That's why they got him. He's a rim protector. You gotta love that. You gotta love that.
2: No, you do. And the only thing that I really want to see improve on with this team, and that would be three-point shooting. They are shooting a little bit more at the smaller lineup, but at the end of the day, the percentages are dreadful. Uh, (laughs) You know, Doug McDermott's got to get going. Uh, Brogdon's looked pretty good, but he's been inconsistent from three... Jeremy Lamb, you know, just T.J. Warren. These guys have got to do a better job shooting threes. You know, T.J. McConnell won't even attempt one. I mean, I think that Ben Simmons probably has a chance of attempting more threes than McConnell does this year. But uh, he just dribbles around and tries to look for guys and whatever. I mean, you know, I I just want to see more threes go in because, honestly, like, we've won these games. They've been pretty big wins, you know, double digits here. But, if they hit some of those threes, this team's winning by 20 points. I mean, that's the difference in in not hitting threes and hitting threes because the other teams are hitting threes against us and we're not. I mean, I think we shot like 18% in that Cavaliers game, and uh, that's just bad. We only won by seven points, but if you hit two or three more of those, you win by 15. So it's one of those things where I just want to see this team continue to grow, continue to gain that chemistry, but ultimately – this is what we talked about all off season. Finally, having a point guard who can control everything is is just the key to this team growing and becoming a you know a true
3: contender in the Eastern Conference. It, it really is Brogdon right now, second in the league in assists per game. I mean, what he's doing is. Everything you've asked for the Pacers to go after in a point guard for years, he is delivering in that. Uh, I do think that he could be an all-star this year. I think most improved player, he has to be in the running for that. To to touch on the three-point shooting that you mentioned just now, the Pacers have attempted the fewest three-pointers in the league right now and are shooting 32% from three. So it's exactly it's not like last year where we weren't shooting threes but when we did we were you know top five team in percentage right now there's just there's a non-existent three-point shooting team right now in yeah. Indiana
2: few attempts and low percentage is not a not a success in today's NBA I mean that's what the analytics will show you and they're really pretty dead on about that um, if you're an analytics person so Fauci, uh anything else you want to talk about in the recap here
3: uh, just just they were, they're going back to their identity of just being a defensive team right now. 103.8 defensive points per game, third in the Eastern Conference. And I saw a little stat I was digging up. Coming into the Bulls game, 18.4 deflections per game, third best in the NBA. So this Dan team Merck. is pesky. They're starting to they – exactly, exactly. <laughs> they're going back to their the identity.
2: Yeah, and I think that the defense will – Present offensive opportunities, fast break points, you know, getting out in transition. I I think that buckling down on defense makes it easier for your offense to come. And if your offense is coming, then you're more willing to play defense. So, yeah, this all works together. I'm really excited about this team and where they're going. And you know, we got a couple games we can win up here in the uh, in the future. And you know, don't want to spend too much time previewing them because there are a lot of the same faces we've seen already. But uh, we do have some more news to get to, Fachi, because we need to look at our fantasy points here. So last week, the ferocious Fachi's were ahead, 198.5 to 187 against the Galvanizing Goldens. But after this week, Fachi, can you give us an updated score?
3: Yep. So due to a couple injuries, uh, Miles Turner out, Edmund Sumner out, and Alze say, say not quite logging any minutes yet, Um Alex took the lead. Uh, he had a strong week, got 230.5 points okay. out of his team. Okay. And now is up. I only had 198.5, ironically, the exact same amount. How in the world is that know, happen? Yeah, the Because the Focci, we, we keep it consistent. That's what we do. <laughs> but, however, I am now in the hole. Uh, it's 417 to 397 in favor of the galvanizing Goldens.
2: Yes, 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 that's right. This is the gold standard, baby. We are on a rise because we have TJ Warren going off. We got Goga getting minutes. We've got TJ Leaf getting some significant minutes, and then of course the other TJ, TJ McConnell. Just that that guy is crazy. Like he does little things you don't even expect him to do, but he gets a little bit of a rebounds, gets us a couple assists. He doesn't score a lot, but points are like. Not the biggest thing to get you uh, fantasy points, you know. The four, the eight blocks from Goga were huge. TJ Leaf coming in, and getting me fifteen rebounds. I mean, that probably that game right there probably is one of the main reasons I got a little bit of a jump in there. And then Jakar Sampson as well, getting some minutes, and he's on my bench as well.
3: Now that's true. That Leaf game was uh, was pretty big. That definitely uh, widened your lead a little bit. Would have been a lot closer without that. Uh, however, just a little side note, in the Bulls game, we finally had the first All-TJ, oh, yes. All-Holiday lineup. The so we had, you know, TJ McC- exactly. It Exactly. W- <laughs> it was interesting to see. Wondered when that would happen and finally did. So that was uh, just a little fun thing to, to note. No, that, that,
2: that was really funny. I wasn't able to watch the game Sunday live. I was at church, but I came home as soon
3: as it was over and watched the recording of it. And... You know, Actually, they didn't play too bad. They didn't. I, I was proud of the team. G- given the amount of injuries they had, that was one of those wins where if you lost, you wouldn't have been surprised. But the yeah. fact that they got the win just showed a team, like I mentioned before, starting to come together. And who needed a performance more than Aaron Holiday? Yeah. I-, I felt like that was just something he needed to have. We didn't want to rub... His name in the mud too much, but Alex, he started this season one of 16 shooting. Oh, Lord. That is ugly. That is so ugly. Yeah. So I don't (laughs) want to dive too much into it, but just in terms of the overall grades of plus minuses, ironically, he was the only player to finish with a negative rating in the Bulls game. But I don't want to look into that too much because offensively, it was by far his best performance of the season just curious do you think that he's under a little too much pressure right now of having to like almost audition each night for nate because another rough shooting slump it's like you don't have sumner there who can you replace him with now but when sumner was there i mean he could easily just be riding the bench on a rough night
2: yeah and i honestly think that right now he hasn't done enough to you know overtake that starting position from McConnell or Edmund Sumner and honestly Mm -hmm. I I think he just needs to slow down and not think about it as I know it's probably really hard for him not to think about that but he needs to just let the game come to him and and do what he can to help the team win and not try to play outside of his little box that McMillan has put him in because if he's pressing too much he's going to make those turnovers and that's going to make a coach mad, especially a coach that wants to protect the ball. I mean, you have a, a point guard in Malcolm Brogdon who, honestly, if you saw that game against the Cavaliers, he came in and played with the with McConnell. And, and Aaron Holliday didn't see the court in the second half. He only played mm-hmm. six total minutes. So, you know, if, yep. if he's pressing too much, they have enough wing depth on their team right now that he's not going to crack the rotation. So, honestly, as hard as it probably is for Aaron, I just say take a deep breath do what you can be great defensively don't push offensively and I, and I think that he will just keep develop and I and I hope that he earns the trust of McMillan by doing that
3: I I hope so too uh, I know that he came out with some comments saying just Basically saying that he knows he needs to be better. I mean, he's not pointing the finger elsewhere. I think that's great. That comes with you know growing up, just to say, hey, look, I can't, I can't blame other people. I need to play better, and you know, if I do, I know I'll carve out my role. If I don't, then yeah, I might need to take a seat. But you know, when you talk about turning the ball over, someone who's actually protected the ball well lately, T.J. McConnell, uh, thirteen assists to zero turnovers. That's why McMillan loves him. Exactly. I mean, he had a, a little bit of a rough start in the beginning of the season, but I think that McConnell has, you know, protected the ball, which is a, a completely essential to this team. You have to do that, um, and for that, he's obviously been rewarded with more minutes.
2: Yeah. Yep. That's that's true. So to wrap this this segment up here, Fachi, as we head into our next segment, I just want to get your predictions for this upcoming week. So obviously, it's going to be kind of hard to predict the Hornets game because that probably will already have happened before. Uh, You hear this podcast, so let's just go ahead and skip that game. We'll go straight to the Wizards game. Wizards at Pacers. What do you got? Who's winning that game?
3: Pacers all day. I do think Sabonis returns. Not sure about Miles Turner, but I'm not worried about a team in Washington as I mentioned that gave up 159 points (laughs) in regulation. Okay, Okay? even a defensive team like the Pacers can go off in that game. Right. So I'm going to pick the Pacers. What about you?
2: I'm going to pick the Pacers as well. And then we got the Pistons coming in Friday night. The return of Andre Drummond. Uh, this will be another tough game, but I think the Pacers are going to get this one, Focci. They've already lost to him twice. This is a true revenge game because if they lose three times to the Pistons in nine games, that's just bad. The Pistons are not very good, and two of their three wins have come against the Pacers, so they got to get this win. Uh,
3: I hope they do. I think that Blake might be back for that game. Uh, he's already starting to be rumored to be like questionable in games. I think that could actually be his first game back. Uh, however... I think Miles Turner could be back by then. If yeah. Turner and Sabonis play that game, I think the Pacers win. If See, Turner does I almost, not.
2: I almost think it'd be better if Turner wasn't back yet, just so we don't have to have Sabonis guarding Griffin.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that is true. That is true. I am worried about Andre Drummond, uh, in that game. I know the Pacers did a better Turner job on Griffin. him last time. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Sabonis I, I respect that. I respect that a lot. I like it. I think that if Blake plays and Miles Turner's out, I think unfortunately the Pistons might get that.
2: Yeah, that's true. Okay, so the next game we'll predict is the Pacers' Magic. It's the Pacers are at the Magic Sunday at 6 o'clock. Another Sunday game. So uh, you get Colts and Pacers action going off at the same time. But um, anyway, at Orlando, Orlando's been pretty bad offensively this year. Defensively, they've been good, but offensively not so good.
3: Do the Pacers get a win in the Amway Center? I do think they do. Uh, I think the Magic, they flat out, they just cannot score right now. I think they're the lowest scoring team in the league. One of the better defensive teams, I'll give them that. But I'm just not scared of the Magic. I'm not. Maybe it's something about Disneyland being in Orlando, but it just (laughs) seems like happy thoughts. So uh, I think the Pacers got that one. Yeah,
2: no, I'm not worried about it either. But, Fauci, you are going to let me do this next segment solo, but we have uh, Jake Sluice from The Uncredible Pod is going to be coming on to Give you the top five foods to eat at Bankers Live Fieldhouse in our next segment. So, Fachi, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I love talking Pacers basketball with you, and uh, I hope you have a
3: good week, and I hope you enjoy some Pacers wins. Hey, if I could leave on one note, I'll go with my my go-to catchphrase, let's go Pacers.
2: All right, Fachi, I'll see you, man. What's going on, Pacer Nation? Joining me right now from the Uncredible pod, it's a podcast about any and all things food is my man, Jake Slus. Jake, what's going on, man?
1: Hey, Alex. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, just before we get going into the top five foods here at Bankers Live Fieldhouse, go ahead and let people know about your podcast and you know all the great things you guys do on your show.
1: Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to come on and, and kind of talk food, talk uh, some of. The, I am a Pacer uh, season ticket holder, so uh, so I do. And when I 'm out a game, I definitely do eat, so um, so yeah I mean I 'm on a podcast with my buddy Brad, and which uh, is kind of uh, every episode we rank our top five different food items. sometimes uh, you know we've done burgers, we've done french fries. Uh, today we record a podcast uh, with uh, dipping sauces so and so there's really no subject that we won't cover we did Halloween candy before Halloween came so uh so we will do a little bit of a, a ranking where we rank our top five and then come together for a consensus um, that our top five picks and then we'll also do a uh a taste test of kind of interesting different types of food and then at the end of the episode we'll do a uh, kind of a food find so we don't take it too serious we keep it light it's uh, usually around about 30 or 40 minutes so it's it 's a good time, and i 'd encourage uh, your listeners to uh, to give it a listen if they want
2: yeah and, and Jake, I know that you are a you know you like to try new places, hole in the wall, so all, all of our Indiana fans that are listening to this podcast, you know, Jake will give you some really cool restaurants to try out that you probably might not even have heard of because, uh, you know, that's what Jake likes to do is uh, go try new places. And, of course, that's always cool to find new things to eat. But anyway, let's get to it. So you said you're a season ticket holder. I appreciate you letting me uh, watch that Bulls preseason game while you were in Europe. Um, it was really fun to go to that game. But um Go ahead and let me know what, you know, your top five foods are because I'm, I'm interested to see what you have come up with.
1: Okay. Okay, yeah. We'll, we'll get into it. And, Alex, um, well, let, let me just turn the tables on you real quick. Okay. And you don't have to give me five, but what is your top your, your top food uh, stall or uh, vendor at, at Bankers Life? So – What's I'm kind go-to? of a tight.
2: I'm a, I'm a tight when I usually go to Pacer games. I don't like to spend a lot of money. Sometimes I'll hit up five guys before I go into the arena. So uh, okay. right out there on is that Delaware or Pennsylvania where that's at?
1: I believe it's on Pennsylvania okay. and yeah. Washington.
2: That's what that's what I thought. So. Usually though, if I go in there, one of the things that I love to get is a Ben's pretzel. I, I love Ben's pretzels. Okay. I love when they're hot. And... I think
1: you're going to like my list then.
2: Okay, good because I absolutely love getting their pretzels. I'm I'm a fan of the cinnamon sugar one with the icing, even though it's extremely messy and I get it all over the Man, place. You're stealing the
1: words right out of my <laughs> mouth. <now.
2: laughs> But one thing I did notice, I did actually get chicken fingers, just a classic chicken fingers and french fries. But one thing that I really enjoyed that Banker's Life has done this season, which I haven't done in prior season, is they've actually put all the condiments out for you to take. Usually they give you like one barbecue, and it's like the smallest little packet that maybe you get a chicken finger and a half dipped in there, then you run out. So you have to ask for like six of them, but now they just have them out for free. So I, I was really happy to see that they've updated their condiment bar outside. Of where you can get their uh, with, get their food at,
1: and and for big guys like you and I, you know, one pack of barbecue is just not going to do.
2: No, it's I do the so not. It doesn't cut it.
1: <laughs> it doesn't. So so number five, Alex, I went pretty traditional. Uh, there's there's a, a vendor called Homestead. They just do burgers, nachos, pizza, and hot dogs. And so I am a fan of you know when you're at a sporting event, you really can't go wrong with just a, a classic American hot dog.
0: You know, right. and whatever you like to put on it with
1: onions, mustard, you know, ketchup. Uh, and like you said, with the comment bar, you can kind of make it how you want. And then, you know, whether it's a Coke or a beer or whatever you want to go with it, you know, it's just, it's just a very versatile thing to grab. So more so than the cheeseburgers or the chicken tenders, usually I'll navigate kind of towards the, um, towards the, the hot dog. Uh, number four is uh, a company that's, uh, it's a national chain that's uh, headquartered here in Indianapolis. It's Steak and Shake. Uh, But, you know, you can, if you're willing to pay the extra, kind of like you had alluded to, um, you're definitely going to pay a premium when you're at a game. Whether it's your beverage, whether it's your food item, whether it's your cotton candy, you know, you're going to spend more at the game. You just kind of know that going in as part of the experience. But so if you're willing to spend six bucks for a milkshake or what normally costs you three bucks for a cheeseburger and you're willing to spend six or eight, um, you you still are going to get a quality you know, a quality experience with the steak and shake. So that's, that's my number four. Number three is a local place. Um, it's called Mimi Blue and uh, it's a meatball uh, place here in town. There's three locations, uh, one up in Carmel, uh, one on Mass Avenue, one up at the Fashion Mall. But it, Mimi Blue has also a, a stand there, there at Baker's Life. And uh, I am just a big sucker, Alex. I don't know about you, but I love meatballs. Um, and so... <laughs> So it's it's a great it's a great uh option. Uh it's kind of a higher higher end option and uh, you're definitely gonna pay a premium for it, like I said. But uh but it's good. So have you had Mimi Blue Alex?
2: I have never had Mimi Blue, I did not even know what it was, and I'm not the biggest meatball person. They're okay. I, I like uh like, I like baked spaghetti better. That's kind of more my thing okay. with with the meat yeah. in there, with the cheese on top. But, uh, I mean, spaghetti and meatballs, it's classic. You, I don't dislike it. It's just not my favorite.
1: Yeah, the, and, and these are almost like a meatball sandwich okay. uh, more so. Okay, kind of like what you would get at Subway, but obviously a lot higher end.
2: Oh, that's okay. Um,
1: number two. Number two is Oka. And so Oka is, is a unique option. And I actually had this on, was that Sunday night? Was that the last game? Yeah, Sunday. Uh, versus our, our win versus the Bulls. Um, so, so Oka is a sausage um, kind of restaurant. It teamed up with Sun King. Sun King's a, a local brewery. here. It's probably the most popular local brewery. Um, so there is a, it's called the Smoking Goose. Uh, it's a meadery. Uh, and they have a place called Goose the Market that's kind of like a you know just basically a butcher shop so the people at uh, Goose the Market teamed up with Sun King and they they created Oka which is kind of like a uh, German sausage they have all different types of sausage so at the stand I think uh on Sunday night I had a um, a chicken sausage they oh, had nice. some uh, yeah some um, kind of breaded onions and some jalapenos and pickles um, and it, it was delicious. It was really good, spicy. Um, but and, and they they kind of switch it up on the different types of sauces that they serve each game. So it's uh, it's kind of a freestanding stand, kind of one that they roll uh, in and out. Uh, so they kind of set it up for games. But uh, that's my number two spot. And uh, number one, like you already talked about, it's Ben's Pretzels. Oh, um, yeah. Ben's Pretzels. Yeah, it, it's man. I, if you like Annie Ann's and you think Annie Ann's is good. It, it doesn't even, you know, it no. can't even hold Ben's <laughs> jockstrap. strap. It's not, it's not even close, you know. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're just so, you know, they're, they're just really high quality. And, they, they you are. know, when you get them warm, and like you said, I prefer the cinnamon sugar because I got a little bit of a sweet tea. But, um, but if you go with just the traditional and you, you get the, the cheese to dip it in, it's, uh, it's delicious as well. So, um, all of these, you're gonna have, you have to kind of come with your your credit card. You're, you're gonna spend a little bit of money, especially if you're there with a couple other people and you're paying for them. But um, but all five of those options are kind of my top five uh, food stands at Bankers Life Fieldhouse.
2: Well, I really appreciate you giving us that list because I was unaware that Steak and Shake was actually inside Bankers Life Fieldhouse.
1: Yeah, yeah, they've got their own, and it's not even one of the portable ones. It's 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 okay. a I, I don't it's not like a full service. You're not going there and getting you know, probably a chili five way, um, <laughs> right, right. Or, you know, but you know, all their kind of staples and their milkshakes. If, if you're wanting a milkshake, they, they definitely, uh, you know, if, if you didn't have time to grab one on your way to banker's life, uh, you, you can grab one. And so usually when I'm with my son, I'll let him have uh kind of a sweet, and so Jack's Donuts, which is a local donut place, that's an honorable mention for me. Uh, they've got donuts uh, that, that you can get, or sometimes we'll just do the classic dip and dots or the cotton candy, and then every once in a while we'll do uh, we'll do a milkshake at steak and shake. So, so yeah, but there's really I, it's really come a long way, Alex, in terms mm-hmm. of uh, w- what they're offering for the fan experience. And really, if your listeners are Pacers fans. And you haven't been in a couple of years. Really get out to Bankers Life Fieldhouse. They've done a, an exceptional job, which is really kind of recreating or reinventing the um, the fan experience, just with the music and the entertainment. And uh, you know, there's not a bad seat in the house, and so it's it, it's it's a lot of fun. And there's a lot of good food options over there.
2: Well, absolutely. And I, I have to say this because I've been going to Pacers games for a long time. And I think the saddest moment was when they took Quaker Steak and Lube out of bankers life field house i used to get wings there every time i went to the game i'm a big wings person um oh yeah traditional or boneless i'll eat whatever sometimes i like traditional just because i feel like you get more meat now that sounds weird but i just like the juiciness of the meat compared to the breaded chicken but uh sometimes you get too much breading on your on your boneless wings and i sometimes just like getting the, the meat there with the bone even though it is kind of a yep. pain sometimes uh I know you guys were talking about this, I believe on, on your episode where, uh, not just eating the drumstick, but the other wing, I hate the other wing. I was with you on that. Yeah, <laughs> it's so it's so it, hard it should to be all,
1: all be, i be the drumsticks.
2: I'm with you always, always. So last thing real quick, just to kind of recap this list. Can you let us know where all these stands are at? I mean, are they all in the main concourse? I
1: believe if I, I know Ben's pretzels and Oka are on the main concourse, Steak and Shake, I believe, is on the main concourse, and Homestead is definitely. I just don't know about Mimi Blue. I, I've okay. eaten at the restaurants um, here, like the one on Mass Ave, which is just you know, about a mile away from Banker's Life, but I have a full disclosure. Uh, I don't want to mis- misrepresent Alex. I have not <laughs> had the Mimi Blue at Banker's Life, but okay. if it's anything like the actual restaurant, it, it's going to be delicious.
2: Right. Well, I, I take your word for and that. Then, you and know, I, I don't think job. you can...
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I don't think you can have me on and not let, let me at least express my displeasure with uh, with teaming up Miles Turner and Domas Sabonis in the starting lineup.
2: Okay, well, the floor is yours. I mean, you go to these games, and you've been a Pacer fan for a while now. You're a season ticket holder. So uh, what do you not like about those two playing together?
1: Well, I, I think if you look across the league, there, there's a reason why no one's playing two centers in their starting lineup. It's it just, it, and you, you have an asset. They're on, they're both on great contracts. So I, I think, I think you got to deal one. And I, I think you, you know, and this is just me. It's uh, I'm, I'm a team Domas uh, guy. So, so I will, uh, I'll ride or die with, with my guy Domas. But uh, yeah, I, I think, I think if you can get some really good assets in return for miles Turner, I think we've seen the first three games or three losses when you team those two guys together And then the next three, I don't think there's any coincidence that it resulted in three wins when you only had one traditional center. And you got Goga on the bench, who I know it's a short sample size, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. (laughs) But he looks like he's a a quality big man where I don't really think you need all three.
2: Yeah. No, I think that's kind of the consensus around the league as well. Um, It feels like the Pacers organization was leaning towards more miles than than domas as far as who they would keep and you know me uh, we talk about this off air quite a bit and i too am a sabonis guy over a turner guy just like the nastiness he brings and i feel like more and more as you see sabonis getting more minutes more fans are gravitating towards that take than they are miles but you know the analytics people will say you got to have miles because he can stretch the floor and protect the rim but you know i think sabonis is a his rebounding and his playmaking on offense is more valuable to this team than than Turner's. Yeah. You know, he doesn't really shoot. The Pacers don't shoot enough threes anyway, so his three point shot is not much of an effect to me, much of a factor. And his rim protection, yes, it's he was a great rim protector last year, best rim protector in the league possibly, maybe behind Rudy Gobert. Uh, Gobert but you know, I mean, he looked pretty good, uh, led the league in so, blocks, so you could say that. But so here's here's my issue, Alex. Yeah. People wanna say
1: because he's a good shot blocker, that means he's the best since he's the best shot blocker in the league, that means he's one of the best defenders. But he always gets exposed when he's up against Andre Drummond, when he's up against Embiid, when he plays against Gobert or Jokic. So it's like whenever he plays the top tier centers, you clearly see that he takes a step back and it there's no there's no like without fail, Andre Drummond is gonna drop at least 20 and 20 on him every time they play. And it's like, you can't tell me he's, he's the greatest defender in the league when when he can't stop you know the people ahead of him at his position. That, that, that's my take. That's my two cents.
2: Well, I mean, and, and it's a fair point because, you know, you you left out Steven Adams as well. Steven Adams is not even a scorer, but he'll dominate Turner on the boards and then get offensive rebounds and he'll end up with like 10 and 20, you know. It's just one of those things where I think that there are flaws to Turner's game and personally what i would do if you're going to try to play both i would just let domas play the center position and make turner your stretch four that's what he is i mean yes he can protect the rim whatever but i think he would do a much better job being spread out you know in the corner not too involved in the offense and then guarding guys that are a little bit more quicker uh that play the position of the four, because you don't see two bigs traditionally. I mean, I know that the Sixers went a little bit different, but, I mean, Al Horford and Joel Embiid are a notch above Turner and Sabonis. It's just what it is. I mean, they're better players overall. So, uh, But personally, I mean, you saw how well Sabonis looked in the last couple games, not against the Bulls, obviously, but when Turner went out against the Nets and how he played against the Cavaliers, Sabonis looked unbelievable starting at center. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, you know, and I probably shouldn't go, uh, go hardcore when I'm trying to get listeners to come over and listen to my podcast. <laughs> and I'm maybe alienating all the Miles Turner fans out there. So just because I'm not a Miles Turner fan doesn't mean that you guys shouldn't come over and listen to
2: the podcast. Absolutely. So just to let people know where they can find you on Twitter and Instagram. Give out your handle so these great Indiana fans can follow you.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's uncredible underscore pod. And that's for both Twitter and Instagram um, you know we're not on Facebook um, and so so yeah Instagram and Twitter are where you can find us but yeah and, and obviously on Apple Apple podcast and or we're really wherever you find whether it's yeah. Spotify Google uh, you know wherever you find your your podcast uh, we're on there and we'd love to have you guys give us a listen and g- give us some feedback let us know if, if you liked it or if uh, or if you didn't.
2: Yeah, and I guarantee you guys will love the intro song. It, it gets me hyped every time I hear it. Uh, a good choice of music. Was that Brad's Was that Brad's picking?
1: Yep, that's, that's Brad's design. Yeah, he, he gets all the credit for the, uh, the technical stuff for sure. I'm just <laughs> yeah. there to talk.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's the easy part. So uh, anyway, Jake, it was great to have you on. Uh, appreciate you giving us the top five list. And just one more time, we'll go through it. It's getting a, a classic hot dog. There's Steak and Shake. There's Mimi Blue for meatballs. There's Oka for sausage. And then, of course, the Ben's pretzel. So, Jake, thanks again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Hey,
1: thanks so much, Alex. Thanks for having me on.
2: Alrighty, Pacer fans. That does it for another episode here of Setting the Pace on Pacerstalk.net and CLNSmedia.com. You can follow us at Setting the Pace 3 on Twitter and at Pacerstalk on Instagram. Until next time, we'll talk to you later. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Sugar Ray Leonard,
1: Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.